Good morning. What? Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, good to see everybody here this morning in this lovely uh, rainy weather. It's all right. The rain falls on the, what they say, the just and the unjust. So we just just sit here and take it. Leroy? You want to share it with me? You got the show. Okay, thank you. Oh, it's, it is good to... Well, this is the announcement time, so uh, tell us about it. May the 8th, uh, I know it's been a dry spell about music down at the store, uh, but outside, 1 o'clock, with the stage, the guys will be on the stage, and everybody bring lawn chairs and enjoy the music from 1 o'clock to whatever. May the 8th. May the 8th, music at Leroy's. Sounds good, sounds great. Hmm. Good, good. Okay, do we have any birthdays this week? No birthdays. Anniversaries? No anniversaries. I praise the Lord anyway. Oh, let's worship the Lord this morning. Start out with number three crown him with many crowns. Let's stand and sing. Crown him with many crowns, a lamb upon his throne. Hark how the heavenly anthem drowns all music by its own. Awake my soul and sing of him who died for thee, and hail him as thy matchless king through all eternity. Crown him the Son of God before the world began, and ye who tread where he on him the Son of Man who every grief hath known that wrings the human breast and takes and bears them for his own that all in him may rest crown him the Lord of life who triumphed for the in the strife for those he came to save his glories now we see who died and rose on high who died eternal life to bring and lives that death may die crown him the Lord of love behold Glory. 
shall not fail throughout eternity. Amen. I need thee every hour. Number 169. Yes, I, I need Our Father in God, we give you thanks and praise. You are worthy of all glory, all praise, all honor. Because, Lord, we come to you. We do need you every hour. We come to you, and your word says you hear when your children cry out. We give you thanks because we have somewhere to go with our problems we can lift them up to you and leave them at your feet, knowing that you will guide us into the right direction to deal with it. Lord, we're so grateful to have a God who loves us so much that he sent his only begotten son to die on the cross, to pay the debt for my sins. Oh, Lord, thank you. 
Bless us this morning in this service. May everything glorify your name. In the name of Jesus, we ask. Amen. Amen. Our Father, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. Our communion hymn this morning is number 239, Beneath the Cross of Jesus. Beneath the cross of Jesus, I fain would take my stand. The shadow of a mighty rock within a weary land, a home within the wilderness, a rest upon the has her meditation this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Have anyone here ever been entertained by a barbershop quartet? Well, they still do exist, and though most of have long since lost any association with a barber. 
The essence of the barbershop style is harmony. This is the key to singing in that style. Consider how harmony is kept. There are rules about who gets which note, which, by the way, also determines who gets to pull off the gag. Everyone knows this part. Sometimes they dress in a particular style, gay 90s, that refers to 1890s. The purpose, they know their purpose, and that's to entertain you so they keep it light. Marriage, too, needs harmony. Consider that such harmony is very similar. Each one is assigned a part, and like good musicians, you learn to cover any notes your partner misses. There's harmony in the church also. Indeed, the harmony in marriage is described by the harmony of the church and her Lord. The same things can be seen. If someone misses a note, all is not lost. There's repentance. There's forgiveness to restore the harmony of the church. Leadership. Christ is the head of the church. And it helps so much to remember that. The purpose. The harmony of the church is there to make sure that no one is hindered in any way coming to the faith. We talked about a little this morning a little bit about that. That harmony, that oneness in the church is exemplified in communion. Did you miss a note this week? Confession and repentance are available so that you may go forward in tune with your Lord. Leadership. This is a time when in prayer you recognize your Lord as head of the church and the Lord of your life. And the purpose? So that you may have eternal life with him. It all comes down to harmony. One body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father for all. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for this day and allowing us to come together in your house to worship and sing praises and honor to you. Be with us as we partake in this communion, this Lord's Supper that we do each week in remembrance of your son that you gave to us for the remittance of all of our sins. May we partake of it in a manner well-pleasing unto you. It's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. When Jesus and his disciples were gathered in the upper room for the Passover meal, Jesus took bread, broke it, blessed it, passed it among them, saying, This is my body broken for you. Eat ye of it. Likewise, the cup after they had eaten, Jesus took it and blessed it, and again passed it to them, saying, This is the new covenant in my blood, poured out for the remission of sins. As often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me until I come again. Drink of it, all of you.
would stand for the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Turn to number 492 as we continue our praise this morning. Leaning on the everlasting arms. What a fellowship, what a joy divine. Leaning on the everlasting arms. What a blessedness, what a peace is mine. Leaning on the everlasting arms. Leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all alarms. Leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. Oh, how sweet to walk in this pilgrim way. Leaning on the everlasting arms. The path grows from day to day, leaning on the everlasting arms, leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all alarms, leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. What have I to dread? What have I to fear, leaning on the everlasting arms? I have blessed peace with my Lord so near, leaning on the everlasting arms. Leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all alarms. Leaning, leaning. Leaning on the everlasting arms. Amen. You may be seated. All except Brother Mark. Judy can't be here this morning. She's, uh, well, they're having dog problems and people problems, and people are just not feeling good in general. So uh, we'll wait and hear from her another time. Today's reading is from Matthew 22, 1 through 14. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted cattle have been butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off. 
one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go, so go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guest, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So many are invited, but few are chosen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Wayne. Good morning. Isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord? Oh, i tell you what, if God was any better to us, we'd have to divide, <laughs> enjoy it twice. Wow. You know, uh, in this parable, this story uh, of the wedding banquet, it's traditionally uh, about the Jews and then the Gentiles, the Jews were the ones that were originally invited. And then because of their rejection, I love how it says they went off. You ever talk to somebody and they went off on you? <laughs> That's probably not the best way to describe this, but, you know, <laughs> just hit me. They went off. Then it describes one to his field, another to his business. So, uh, <clears throat> But you know, this can also be brought down to an individual level. All have been called to the feast that is going to take place after the judgment. All have been invited. There's not one. Not one human being that ever lived or that ever will live that can say, I didn't get an invitation. Now, there may be some who have slipped through the cracks and maybe the church didn't reach out to them the way that they could have or should have. But I think inside of everybody, we know that there's something. Something different, something better, something beyond ourselves. God put within us this knowledge of something that is greater than me. There has to be. If this is all there is, wow. If, if all the world offers is all there is, then life's not that great, is it? I mean, you think about it. In this world, if you were one of the ones who were fortunate enough to be able to become a millionaire or a billionaire, 
that money does not make you happy. In fact, it often makes people nervous because then they're constantly worried about somebody taking it from them. And not only that, but many of you remember that the original millionaire playboy when asked when enough is enough he said just a little more just a little more you're never satisfied if your goal is to obtain the things of this world the things that satisfy the flesh there's never enough it always takes just a little more you know that's what happens to people that are drug addicts They always need just a little more, just a little more, until it kills them. Alcoholics, same way. Just a little more, just a little more, and it kills them. It doesn't matter what it is, everything that this world offers, no matter how great it may seem, if that's what you pursue, there will never be enough of it. There was a man who attained uh, his, his goal of becoming CEO of a, a major company and making millions of dollars. And after he did that, and he was only in his 30s, then someone asked him, how do you feel? He said, I'm disappointed. And they said, why are you disappointed? You've accomplished so much. He said, yeah, but now what? Now what? (laughs) Not so with the Lord. Not so with his word. If there's anyone in here that can tell me that they completely understand everything in the word of God, please raise your hand and I'll sit down. There's always more, folks. You can never get enough. The deeper you go, the more you figure out, the less you know. <laughs> you, 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 get, you get to a point to where you think, man, I'm learning a lot. And then you realize, but that means there's so much more yet to learn. I feel like a lot of times when, when I hear some of these preachers, I feel like, man, I'm in kindergarten. <laughs> these guys go deep. <laughs> God calls us to something that is good. You think about when you have your child. This is a parable of a man who has a son. You know, most fathers are proud of their sons and their daughters, for that matter. But, you know, a son is meant to take over. Your eldest son takes over your, your uh, business, your home, your property, whatever. That's the way that they had these customs set. And it was a big thing when your son got married, especially your first son, your firstborn. It was a moment of pride. It was a moment to display and show just how proud you are of your son and his growing up and his achievements and his ready to face life. And so his father sent off these invitations to his friends, to the people that were 
probably considered upper echelon of society. People with means and money. I want my son to know these people and to have an association with them. So that if he has needs, he has a place to go. He has resources. So he sends this invitation off to these well-to-do people. And they all just kind of shunned him. Or at least that's the way he took it. Oh, yeah, well, you know, he sent his servants. They were invited to the banquet to tell them to come, and they refused. I'm sorry, I can't make it. I got this, I got that. Boy, that was rude, folks, rude. In a, in a, in a culture where, you know, uh, hospitality is, is number one, this was rude. It was a slap in the face. But, you know, he still went ahead with his original plan. He still went ahead and butchered the the fatted calf. He went ahead and got everything ready for the banquet and sent servants to go get those same people, even after they'd refused. He gave them yet another opportunity. Isn't God good? All the time. Man, I'm glad he gives us more than one chance, aren't you? (laughs) It takes me a lot of chances sometimes to get certain things right. (laughs) So he gave them this other opportunity. But when he sent more servants, it says they paid no attention and went off. One to his field, one to his business. The rest of them seized these servants he sent and killed them. I mean, you talk about saying adamantly, no, I am not interested in what you have to offer. I don't want any part of it. You keep sending people to bother me. Well, this is how I feel. I'll kill them. Now the king, the father of the prince, he's really upset. Now folks, think about this. These servants represent all the prophets and the apostles that were sent to the Jews. And they killed many of them because they told them the truth. You ever heard the old saying, don't kill the messenger? (laughs) That's where it came from. That's what they did. They killed the messenger. When you kill the messenger, it doesn't do you any good because he's just carrying the message. The one who had the power behind the message is still around. So keep that in mind if you get mad at the preacher. (laughs) It says, then he sent his servants after he sent uh, those who had been mistreated and killed. He was enraged. And he sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned down their city. You think he was trying to make a point? (laughs) Uh, Folks, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but there's been a lot of volcanoes. There's been a lot of hurricanes. There's been a lot of tornadoes. There's been a lot of things that's been going on, floods and droughts. 
and in more intensity and more often than it has happened in the past. Do you think maybe God is trying to tell us something? Just a thought. (laughs) And then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready. You know, it would be shameful for his son to have to get married and nobody be there. That would have been shameful. So he says to just go out to those uh, in the street and invite them to the banquet. All that you find. It doesn't matter who they are. I invited the ones who I initially had uh, thought were my precious friends, <laughs> my people, so to speak, and they rejected me. They said no. So go out into the streets and bring anybody. And they brought them in and said both bad and good. I'm glad it says that, folks, because I was one of the bad ones. <laughs> I wasn't one of the good ones. I was one of the bad ones. But he still brought me in anyway. He still extended the invitation anyway. God is like that. His love extends to everyone. It doesn't matter what your past is. What matters is the future that he offers. He can completely eradicate and wipe out your past by the blood of Jesus. He can overcome no matter what you've done. No matter how bad the sin may have been. No matter how much people look down and think that, oh, you're a bad person. Not after Jesus cleanses you, folks. It's all gone. You start over again. You're reborn, a new person. And boy, doesn't it feel good to have all that weight off of you, to have all that sin gone? Wow. I'll say it again. God is good. All the time. time. Amen. Glory. I tell you what, he's so good that... We can all say every minute of every day, when someone asks how you are, you can always say what Dave Ramsey always says, I'm much better than I deserve. (laughs) If we got what we deserved, we'd all be burning in hell. And I'm grateful that Jesus Christ changed that for me. He changes that. He changes who we are from the inside out, but he also changes our destination in the future. What is yet to come gives us something to hope for, something to look forward to. These people were invited to have that, to have that something to look forward to, to have the opportunity to say, hey, you know, even though I have not been kind to him in the past, I found out after I got to know him, he's not so bad. And I'm going to enjoy his friendship from now on. And he promised that he would do things for me in the future. And that's what God does. The king of kings. The Lord of lords. Many people suspect that while they're lost. That if I get to know this God. The Christians talk about, if I go to him, then I'll be restricted in what I can do. I won't be able to drink and party and have fun anymore. Well, i got news for you, folks. 
After you get to know Jesus, you don't want to do any of those things anymore. There's something much better that replaces all the world has to offer. It's the Holy Spirit and it is the life of purity that comes into our hearts and into our minds and it cleanses us from all of that filth of the world and we feel so much better inside and outside. We have a hope, as I said, for the future, but we also have a hope for right now that keeps us on a spiritual high, when we worship, when we sing to God, when we praise God, we are lifted above all the problems of the world. No matter what's going on in the world around us, no matter all of the raging of the people who want to fight, God's people can be lifted above all that by worshiping him. And as we come up above that, he holds us in his hand And he says, I've got you. I've got you. Don't worry about the rest of it. I've got you. And even if someone must murder us, instantly, instantly we're in his presence. We have nothing to fear, folks. We have nothing to fear. We truly need to trust him because he knows the beginning from the end. He knows everything that's going to happen down the road. I don't. So I trust him. When he says, go right at the fork, I go right at the fork. (laughs) If he says, duck, I'm going to (laughs) duck. If he says, get in the foxhole, I'm getting in the foxhole. (laughs) So invited everybody in. They went out to the streets and they brought them all in, good and bad. And the wedding feast was filled with guests. Aren't you glad we're all part of that wedding feast that's coming at the wedding of Jesus? We're not just invited, folks. We're the bride. Amen. Amen. Glory. (laughs) But when the king came in to the guest, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. Now, folks, the reason why this is so significant is because... When the king invites you to this special event, he also gives you the garments to wear. We have become clothed in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And he noticed one who was there who had not done that. And he asked him, how is it that you're here, but not without a wedding garment? And the man was speechless. There was nothing he could say. He was handed the garment and he refused it. And this next part should make us all cringe and maybe even shake. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow. The place that he's going is not a good place, especially compared to all of this that's laid out before us at this banquet. Everything you could ever want is offered. Eternal life, happiness, peace, Joy, 
kindness, patience, everything that the gifts of the Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit, that's all going to be a part of our life permanently in heaven. Not just us, but everyone. You will never hear anyone arguing in heaven. You will never hear anyone using foul language in heaven. You will never hear anyone calling someone a racist or a phobist of any kind in heaven, folks. Because those things won't exist. Everyone. Everyone will be family. Everyone will be happy. Ah, but this place is darkness. Darkness. Now, I don't know about you, but especially with my eye disease, when there's dark, I can't see anything. You go groping around, literally. That's what I use my cane for. I'm groping. I'm feeling my way around. But it's not just darkness in that sense. We're told in another place it's darkness that you can feel. The Lord has taken me to that darkness before. And I'm not kidding you. You can feel it. It is horrible. It's just a total absence of not just light in the sense of, you know, these kind of lights. But it's a total absence of the light from God. There's no peace, no joy, no pleasure of any kind, a lot of pain, a lot of agony. And he says, there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then to finish it off, he says, many are invited, but few are chosen. Now, that doesn't mean that God only chooses a few. It means that we ourselves, by our own actions, are the ones that choose. Many people choose. Today, there are many people living in the world, hopefully none in this room. But there are many people that live in the world today that will tell you, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. But their life, their fruits, shows otherwise. They are deceived. They believe that they can hold on to Jesus for an insurance policy. And, you know, I'm fireproof. I got Jesus. (laughs) But boy, when that day comes, they're going to be surprised. Jesus is going to say, away from me. I never knew you. Folks, we have to be real in our relationship. Our lives have to, we have to live it. Our lives have to show it. You know, that taking away of the sin, that changing the way we think should change the way we live. But the devil is clever and he always uses the old friends that we used to run around with to try to suck us back into that life. But I want to ask you something. When when you find out that you've been living in in a cesspool, let's say... You're you're swimming, and you're swimming in a mud puddle, basically. It's just, when you open your eyes, you can't see, and it's just nasty. And then all of a sudden, you meet this, this Jesus, and now you're out of that cesspool, and you're put into a clean pool. And you can see underwater. It's clean. It's nice. 
Why would you ever want to go back to the cesspool? Why? And yet the devil finds clever ways to say, well, you know, that's what you're used to. You know, that's what you came from and that you were comfortable with that. You ought to go back to it. No, I'm sorry, folks. We have to tell the devil, no, go back to hell where you belong. You just go back to hell where you belong. I'm happy in Jesus. I am Jesus' child now, and I will stand with Jesus. I will stay with Jesus. And folks, we may, some of us may in in our lifetimes have the uh, privilege of being tried for being a Christian. And we may be offered the opportunity to denounce Christ and not suffer any consequence or remain in Christ and be jailed. We better be prepared because Christians are being singled out right now. Christians around the world, some are losing their jobs because of their stand for Jesus. Some are... Uh, suffering in other ways, all because they stand for Christ. And they refuse all this nonsense and lies that's being taught today about racism and uh, sexual perversion, all because they refuse to accept that. They're losing their jobs. They're losing uh, privileges. It's getting real, folks. Are we ready? Are you ready for that test? If it comes here, are you going to stand for Jesus? Something to think about. If you have a need this morning, just mind the Lord and come as we sing. Our invitation hymn this morning is number 376. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Let's stand and sing. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you walking daily by the Savior's side? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you rest each moment in the crucified? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless, are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? When the bridegroom cometh, will your coat be white? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Will your soul be ready for the mansion's bright and be washed in the blood of the Lamb?
Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless, are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Lay aside the garments that are stained with sin, and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. There's a fountain flowing for the soul unclean will be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are their garments spotless, are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Amen. You may be seated.